0: I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. We've got a mini episode today exploring a recent statement of the bishops of South Dakota. I'm going to begin our conversation by just reading the statement and then introduce our guest. October 22nd, 2020, this was the Feast of St. John Paul II. Yesterday, it was reported that Pope Francis personally endorsed civil unions for same-sex attracted persons. According to the initial media report, these comments were offered in a Spanish-language documentary film. At this time, we do not know the accuracy of the translation or the context of the Holy Father's words, As with past media reporting on informal remarks by the Holy Father, further communications may be forthcoming from the Holy See or the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. The bishops of South Dakota will provide counsel or teaching as needed at such time that complete information is available. So to unpack um, this just a little bit, I've asked Dr. Chris Bergwald uh, to join us for this mini episode. Dr. Bergwald, welcome to the show.
1: Unfortunately, you couldn't be here. Oh, that's me. Hi. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming.
0: Yvette. I was using such a somber tone of voice, and you had to tell a joke. Thank you. Yvette. (laughs) So so we've got these media reports kind of coming from the Spanish language documentary. Um, Of course, you know, we don't speak Spanish. The Holy Father does. But one of the first things I wanted to talk about with you in just a few minutes uh, here is some— like this adrenaline that we feel yeah. sort of interjected yeah. by the media. Yeah. So I, the question that, that I think might be helpful to just unpack a little bit is like, what is a prudent first reaction for a Catholic when we feel like this adrenaline shot from the media on a subject like this in a way that's related to our, our church and we love
1: Yeah. I think the the first, I love that metaphor of uh, it's like an adrenaline shot because so much of the, the the mainstream secular media coverage uh, has been um, Pope changes church teaching sort of language. And Mm. that just like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, So uh, I think the first step is always to uh, do, frankly, I think this is what our bishops have asked us to do, take a breath, Mm. Uh, sort of just take a step back Um, and uh, evaluate, well, I think just take a step back, Chris. Before we do anything else, just pause um, and take a breath and allow whatever wave of adrenaline we're experiencing to wash over us. Mm. So much, people have talked about um, uh, so much of social media, but even I think sometimes um, um, more traditional media outlets uh, are driven by emotion today. And I think it's really important that we, we be attentive to that yeah. and not respond to news um, in an overly emotional manner.
0: And, and we've kind of maybe can <clears throat> been conditioned to that too, with you know the the, the cable news, twenty four hour news cycle, and even in in recent years, social media, where it's like go 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 go. And what you're saying is what our bishops are saying. I think it's okay. Let's just let's take a step back. Yep. Take
1: a deep breath. Yep.
0: Collect some information here.
1: Right. And I think that's so. Let's take so pause, take a breath, take a step back, collect more information. Now, as as, as the bishop said so often in in instances like this, the Holy Fathers have been either misquoted or taken out of context or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good thing to do. And it seems that's what the bishops of South Dakota have told us they're doing. And just, uh, I think there's a lot of of wisdom in that. So that the next, here's the next question um, that I want to talk about. And I think that's it's, it's maybe a little bit harder of a piece, but I think it's something that a lot of people are really interested in. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because we, you know, we do need to take a step back and collect some information, but let's just, you know, for example, let's say like, this is how it turns out to be, um, you know, what we are maybe apparently seeing, collecting more information, but like, let's say there's nothing more to it than a, than a statement that apparently runs crosswise with the teaching of, of the church. Right. Um, on marriage, and not just the teaching the church um, in terms of like revelation, but actually natural law too. Yep. So, the question that that has maybe come up uh, for some people is like, why does this happen? You know, how how can it happen? Why does the Lord permit it?
1: yeah and I think it's a great question uh, It's a question you know, with with Pope Francis, he has this I think gift for um, oftentimes when he's talking he uses or even writing um, using imagery that people can really connect with like smell like the sheep when he's speaking to pastors of the church and so on at the same time and, and everybody has strengths and weaknesses sometimes his communication style you used a word earlier informal like mm. sometimes when he's speaking informally um he can I don't know if if it's coming out as he intends or not, but when he's speaking informally, it can cause confusion because it at least seems that way he's saying runs against what we understand the church to teach. Why does the Lord allow this to happen? I I think Chris, just real briefly, um, two things come to mind. One is it's a reminder to us, first of all, to be attentive to not everything the Pope says, not everything he says is, is a matter of pure church teaching. Mm. a pope can have a personal if you will private opinion that we actually end up hearing about in a modern communication era mm. there have been many times when popes held personal opinions um throughout history that as it turned out ran contrary to church teaching but they never for- formally taught them they were informal personally held views so if it turns out that this is um this is really what the holy father said i would say with 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 respect and filial devotion as a son of of his, if you will, spiritually speaking, your your holiness, I I respectfully, I I don't think that's not binding on me. It's not authoritative, but even more, even more, it reminds me, my faith is not in our popes. It's in our Lord. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and it is Jesus Christ, son of the father who by the power of the Holy spirit, who guides the bark of Peter and ensures that Um, she reaches port, ultimately at the end of time, safely. Um, My faith is in Christ. I know that he can and does guide the church and and protects the church's formal teachings from error. I have absolute confidence in that. Uh, But that doesn't mean, because my faith is in him, that doesn't mean that I I literally take everything that every pope, I mean, this was true. There are things that John Paul II said that I respectfully disagreed with because they were informal personal views that he had. Mm. Um, So it's not unique to Pope Francis among modern popes by any means. Respect for him, but when he's not speaking formally, Um, It's just a reminder to me that I put my trust in the Lord.
0: Amen. And we can continue to just ask the Lord for his peace in this year. Amen. Chris, thanks for joining us on the show.
1: Happy to be here, Chris.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is Chris Motz, the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, host of Faith and Politics. We were just joined by Dr. Chris Bergwald, kind of unpacking some of the, the news and media reports concerning the Holy Father last week. Um, My next guest, I'm really excited to have on, uh, Norman Woods is the executive director of the Family Heritage Alliance. And uh, Norman and I have become just great friends. We're, we're, as I sometimes call it, battle buddies in the trenches up in the the state capitol, have had many, um, many adventures and capers together. Norman, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on. Well, one of my you know, when I started up my my present work three years ago, moved back to South Dakota and and started doing this Catholic conference thing, one of my concerns uh, in undertaking the work was that it's the Catholic conference is really, it's an office of one, as is typical of Catholic conferences in smaller or less populated states. There's typically not a huge staff. So I was a little concerned, like, um, you know, is there gonna be a bit of, you know, loneliness? Am I gonna be kind of doing this this stuff all by myself? But one of the great joys and delights uh, for me, Norman, as you know, has just been able to, it has been how we've been able to just develop friendships uh, with others that are engaged in similar work. So maybe by way of introduce, introducing our friendship, Norman, could you just tell us a little bit about what it is
2: you do uh, with the Family Heritage Alliance? Yeah, definitely. So I see what we do as kind of, we're working on two main fronts. Um, First, we're trying to educate and equip people to be engaged in the political realm, um, whatever that may look like for them. And then we're also working to get good information and resources to elected officials that are already in the political realm. Um, So I work for an organization called the Family Heritage Alliance, and we're associated with groups like Focus on the Family, which a lot of your listeners may be familiar with. Um, But we work here in South Dakota, do similar work to what you do. Um, but we try to just get good information to people, get good information to elected officials. And we try to just really have an impact on particularly the areas of faith, family, and freedom. Basically anything that you would expect a Christian to take a stand on in the public square, is something that we're going to take a look at and be interested in. So like you said earlier, it's, it's awesome to have friends and build coalitions and build allies and all of that. So yeah, glad to be on the show and I really appreciate the friendship that we've built over these last few years.
0: Well, and one of the things you didn't mention, Norman, but uh, I'm going to say it, is that that you're a Protestant. uh, Family Heritage Alliance, uh, you're governed by a board of, of, I I think, maybe exclusively Protestants. Um, A lot of the people that are interested in your work and following you are Protestants, not exclusively. I know there are I know of, of many Catholics that also I've seen them at your, your stand events, and we're going to talk about one of those mm-hmm. a little bit later. Um, but one of the one of the things, aside from just sort of having the friendship, engaging on these issues together in the state capitol, there's also something for me that's like delightful as as a Catholic and sort of, there's this Catholic, I don't know if this is just a Catholic word, um, or Protestants use it too, but it's ecumenism, sort of this, um, this, this pursuit of relationships kind of across, uh, across boundaries within the Christian faith, mm-hmm. that for me has been really, really delightful also to actually have an experience of, of Christian brotherhood. So not just friendship, but actually Christian brotherhood, you know, as baptized disciples of the Lord um, seeking
2: to, to build up the kingdom. Yeah, it adds a whole new layer to the friendship and just yeah. brings it to a whole nother level. Um, but actually our newest board member is a Catholic and one of our staff members is a member of the Catholic faith as well. Uh, so no yes, way. we are definitely all about building relationships um, with brothers and sisters in Christ. I hey, praise God. So, um, yep. some of the the issues we've had many,
0: many issues that we've been uh, been able to collaborate on in the past. Um, you know, one of the one of the ones that I think was maybe new for for a lot of people, just kind of thinking about it for for the first time. It came up this last legislative session. A um, House bill, I think it was 1096 sponsored by Representative Hansen and Senator uh, Norbstrup ha- having to do with commercial surrogacy, seeking to really put an end to commercial surrogacy uh, in the state. Can, can you maybe just offer a couple thoughts, maybe a perspective on you know, when, when this came up last year, was it a new issue to you? What were the, some, some of the things that jumped out at, at you as you were learning about it and trying to equip yourself to be a, an articulate advocate on the issue?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll start with pointing out a trend that I've noticed um, with both your organization and ours is we were developing this nasty little habit of getting involved in all of the controversial things, <laughs> which makes for interesting times. Yeah. But yeah, commercial surrogacy, that's definitely one that it's multifaceted and it's not just controversial um, because there's conflict, but there's a lot of good people you know, they always say, oh, there's good people on both sides, you know, on a lot of issues. But with this one, there's a lot of, you know, devote Christians who are trying to do their best in the world, trying to do their best for kids, trying to do their best for families who see this different ways. And so it's one of those issues that I always try to handle with, you know, an extra bucket load of grace with no matter where someone is coming from, because, it's a really complicated issue, um, but the more I look into it, the more I learn, the more people I meet, the more convinced I become that commercialized surrogacy especially is, I mean, we're essentially commodifying children and using the female body as a means of production. Yeah. I mean, it just, that sounds very blunt to say, but the more I learn about this, it's, that's essentially what it comes down to. And I realize there's a lot of people that are trying to do good and a lot of people that believe with all of their heart that are doing good. And, you know, look at the end product, it's a child. And that's one of the most valuable things in the world. And so it's really hard to say, like, for example, commercial surrogacy is turning humans into products. It's kind of hard to say that and you have to do it just right because, well, I mean, the, the end product that we're talking about is a beautiful human child. Yeah. But... It's, it's definitely a sticky issue, but the more I look into it, the more I see that, especially the commercialized surrogacy is just really, really scary.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, two of the things that, that are really striking to me, just about this period of time in which we live, is, is of course, this... Um, this sort of radical autonomy where people want to be completely free and independent, even from God himself, which is, we know that we can never escape Mm -hmm. from God's gaze. But the other thing that's just so striking about this age is we've got technology like we've never had before in the history of the world that kind of opens up these new uh, possibilities, if you will, that have just got such, you know, they're, they're ethical and moral minefields. So to be able to just think through them um, with, with, bucket loads of grace, as you put it, I love that because it's, they can be really sensitive, you know, for, for maybe for a couple who's struggling with infertility and sees this as a path to, to, to starting a family, you know, it, it is uh, an area of, of sense where sense, do sensitivity is very needed. There's um, a lot of mm-hmm. emotion and wounded, And so it's, yeah, to just really invite the Lord uh, to, to be with us and help us have uh, I like that term, I might steal that bucket, bucket loads of grace as um, yep. as we engage here. Any other, you know, any other favorite, you know, capital memories that, that jump out
2: to you from, from recent years, favorite bills? Ooh, let's see, favorite bill, I'd say favorite bills and favorite memories are two totally separate answers. Um, let's do, I'll start with favorite bills, I think, our, my favorite victory so far has been within the realm of adoption and putting in protections for faith-based adoption agencies to make sure mm-hmm. they can't be punished um, for just operating according to how they believe. Yeah. And so that's been one of my favorite victories. And I'm going to um, recap that real think, quick
0: for our, our listeners, just in case they're not, yeah. because that, that actually predates the South Dakota Catholic Conference by one year. I wasn't on board with the, the conference yet we started in October, mm-hmm. 2017, that was from the 2017 legislative session. And just a brief recap of that one is, it just ensures that that Catholic or any other faith-based adoption agency, there are a couple of them in the state, both um, uh, Catholic specifically, and then uh, otherwise Christian, Protestant, that they can, they can adopt children into families uh, in accord with their faith, meaning they're not gonna adopt into, you know, for example, they're going to only adopt into a family that is a, a married man and woman. Um, and this is really important because we see Catholic social services, I think it is out of the city of Philadelphia, um, got shut down by the city of Philadelphia because they, they just, yep. we, we got to abide by our faith. You know, we, it's not because we hate anybody. We just um, we believe that children are, have a right to a mother and a father. And um, and we're going to adapt mm-hmm. accordingly. So yeah, great great work. And yep. that, you really should be
2: proud of proud of that hard work. That was an awesome victory. And actually, Catholic Social Services was one of the biggest um, advocates that we had on that issue. We had Mr. Kenyon with Catholic Catholic Social Services, who could sit in front of the committee and point to the other states and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the sky is falling. This is look at these other states this is what's happening to my my colleagues and my coworkers please protect me in south dakota so that we can continue serving kids and families so that was that was a really great victory that we were you know glad to play one small part in i would say if we move to favorite stories i think it would actually be it was an afternoon session was over and it was actually you and i sitting in a hallway and we were, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but this was after a a very controversial floor debate. Um, I don't think either one of us had an official position on that bill, but a a representative came off the floor that evening and saw us sitting there and walked up to us and goes, you know, I know you two don't like transgender kids, but I need to tell you something. And we let her, you know, say her piece, but then quickly both of us jumped in they were like, ma'am, we do not dislike transgender children in the slightest. We yeah. believe every single one of them should be loved and respected and helped in every way possible. And we just had a very, not a very long, but a very genuine conversation with this legislator, even though it started off with a little bit of a combative tone, but yeah. it just turned into a very solid, really, it was, it was a genuine human connection and the building of a friendship. Mm. And as they were walking away, they turned back and said, you know, thanks for the work you guys do. Mm. And so that I think is one of my favorite Capitol memories because yeah. someone that started off slightly combative because they were frustrated about what happened that day or frustrated at how a debate went, we were able to build a genuine friendship and connection with. And I think that was one of my favorite memories of the Capitol in the last few years. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And I do remember that, that encounter
0: with this particular legislator and um i am just filled with gratitude even in hearing you retell the story of of Uh this you know because you can have so many of the because there's like this great wrestling or there's this great sort of human drama that is getting played out in these processes by which we make laws and in fact the great battle the great battles yeah i mean there are battles on the floor in committee room uh, but but in fact the greatest battles of all take place in the human heart you know i think there's Mm -hmm. um, a russian thinker solzhenitsyn he was a christian i I think that's something he said is like the you know the the great battle between good and evil is that the line is drawn down the middle of every human heart and you can see it so many times actually playing out in these these little chance encounters Uh, i call them chance but they're providential encounters that we have in the hallways and in, mm-hmm. in fact, like that's the opportunity to really witness—not um, only the truth of what it is we believe. Okay, let's be attentive to the to the facts of the matter, what it is we believe and what it is we don't believe. But not only witness to truth, but but witness to love also. Those two things, as Catholics, and I, I think you would agree with this too—that those things are inseparable. You can't love somebody outside of the truth, but you can't just nope. like point a truth bazooka at somebody and pull the trigger. Trigger. We got to like witness with love too. So. Yeah. What a right. what a great memory. Um, great, great memory that yep. is.
2: Hey, let's yeah, transition. That lo- no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say love without truth is heresy. Truth without love is, um, oh, what's the word? And I just had a blank. It's a really cool word and phrase, but I just blanked on it. Ah, that's all right. Brutality. There we go. Yeah love without truth is heresy truth without love is brutality Mm. yeah
0: let's transition uh let's transition into like maybe uh current current work that i know you're working on uh some things that are a bit related to uh some things i'm up to too um obviously our our legislative session in south dakota just runs you know uh winter and spring which leaves us Time to work on some other things throughout the rest of the year. We've got an election coming up uh, next, next week and we've got a couple of things on the ballot. Um, if I remember right, mm-hmm. you're working, uh, you've taken a position, the Family Heritage Alliance has taken a position on at least one of the ballot measures. Do you wanna uh, just kind of refresh me and tell me what you're up to right now?
2: Yeah, so we've taken a position on two of them. So the amendment A and initiated measure 26. So both are related to marijuana Amendment A is looking to change the South Dakota Constitution, and IM-26 is looking to change South Dakota codified law. And so both of them are looking to add marijuana provisions. Um, They're both written differently. Um, The Amendment A would essentially add recreational pot into our Constitution. And then IM-26 is more focused on um, the medical potential aspects of it. So I am 26 and amendment a are both looking to add marijuana into either the constitution or the state law and family heritage Alliance action. We've taken a position against both of those. Uh, we just don't see that as a good direction for our state. And it's, it's interesting if you look at like, let's say both of them pass amendment, a passes, I am 26 passes and both of them are on the books. It's, we're going to be in a weird situation here in South Dakota in a bunch of different ways, but one of them would be one says that it's illegal to have it in school. The other says teachers are required to help administer the, the dosages if it's used for medicinal use. Mm. So is it going to be illegal or is it going to be illegal not to, Yeah, to help the student? Yeah. And so there's, I mean, that's one small and just the initial, like the first one that comes to mind is, if they both pass, but there's definitely a lot of issues we could see and problems we see on the horizon if those are passed into law or constitution.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I I know I've heard that from other legal observers that, um, you know, the laws, they're not necessarily, they're not particularly well-written with some conflicts like that. You know, this is, um, the, the Catholic conference has taken a hard position, vote no on amendment A, um, mm-hmm. we, we see there's kind of some different principles at, at, at play. One of the interesting things though, in, in sort of um, unpacking this issue, especially with, you know, you're talking about IM26, which deals with medical marijuana. From like a moral reasoning standpoint, we know that the drugs are used for pharmaceutical or medical purposes all the time. But one of the things that, that folks will talk about is, look, that's, you know, we have an FDA. There's a, there's a process by which we approve and regulate um, medically used drugs, um, you, you know, they're, they're very highly regulated and how they're produced and so forth. And one, one guy I had on the show a couple weeks ago who works for a, a treatment center. He said, look, you can actually, there, there is a synthetic form of THC you can get through your physician right now. And it's, it's, it's me, you know, how much you're getting, it's very regulated in its dosage. Um, so yeah, even to point out these conflicts too that are gonna arise for school systems is very interesting. There's a lot a lot we could talk about there. We've only got a couple minutes left, Norman, and I, I do wanna do justice mm-hmm. to, um, you're actually in the car right now, heading from west to east, Rapid City to Sioux Falls, and you're coming out this way to do a couple of what you call stand events. Do you wanna just take a minute and tell us about those events?
2: Yeah, definitely. So Wednesday morning will be our breakfast and then Thursday evening will be our dinner. Um, Just kind of split it up into two events to accommodate people. But yeah, every year we have the stand events and that's kind of our yearly, yearly celebration, but also bringing everybody together and getting ready for the next year. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year. And so for us, it's kind of a one more chance to get everybody in the same room, rub shoulders and really build some momentum for the next year. And this is, This year is kind of special for us because this is our 10th year doing this. So our organization this summer turns 10 years old. And so for us, this year's stand event is really, it's really a celebration of both what we've done, but also looking forward to here's where we're at and what could become. And where can people go if they
0: want to learn a little more, Norman?
2: Yeah, familyheritagealliance.org. Very good. And if you're you reg- catching this,
0: if you're catching this broadcast uh, on on Tuesday night, that would be tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, and then Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. And you can go to familyheritagealliance.org dot org if you want to learn a little more about either one of those events. To support FHA's great work.
2: Uh, any last yep. thought? And we have a few seats left. Hey, very mm, good. Let's. Yep. Last thoughts. Let's see. Nope. Oh, that's no. I would just say that was it. I gotta
0: continue this friendship and move forward very good i'm so grateful for you for you joining us on the show today norman yep and thank you dear listeners until next time live well